0: If we can make our way into the sanctuary area. You guys are lucky. At my church, we have a big cowbell we ring to get everyone's attention. It's super annoying. So, what's up? All right. So, one of the things that uh, I'm supposed to talk about today is our trip that my dad and I took over to Southeast Asia and sort of plug in next weekend it's a big weekend for us uh, really really excited I'm sure you've heard a lot about it over the last few weeks but kind of want to give a little a little backstory to why we've been involved in this As uh, a lot of you probably have heard over the last few years the invisible children spiel we had in um, child soldier survivors come and share their story here several times we became very close with all of them social justice as a whole has been something that this church has always put at the forefront of what we do because we believe it's on the forefront of God's heart as well but lately in my prayer time uh, I've been asked you know that song our father comes on and always you know I say God show me show me your kingdom And I, c- I can't ask that question, <laughs> show me your kingdom, without seeing these beautiful faces of these little girls reaching their arms up to my father and I when we were over there. And these are young girls who sleep under the pool tables in the bars because they have no home. And they're surrounded by drunk men. And I just always hear them say, that's my kingdom. And so often, I think, as Americans and as believers, we have this, we have an idea of what we think that looks like. But his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Before this experience, when I thought about the kingdom of God, I thought of, you know, a happy place. this No tears, no crying, no pain, no n- nothing like that. And he says, it's, it's them. It's in the kids. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. But so often I feel like when it comes to, I'm going to pull this out. There we go. This is better. When it comes to responding to the heart of the Father, we tend to get in our own way because we're so concerned about us. You know, it's natural. Um, And so one of the things that God has been showing me is how to just get out of my own way. And uh, I want to read a set of scriptures to you this morning uh, out of Colossians 3. It says, Since... Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In this set of scriptures where Paul is talking about putting on the new self and clothing yourself with compassion and kindness, the first Action step for that is forgiveness. So look at that as really the first action step to getting out of your own way. The first action step to putting on the new self and becoming more like Christ is forgiveness. And Jesus sets the stage of what forgiveness looks like in this story in Luke chapter 7. He says, One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet, letting down her hair. She dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet that I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who was falling all over him. you just picture that? Like, how scandalous. Like, come on. It's, that's the reaction. Like, I'm sure it looked scandalous because Jesus is so cool. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. I love his response. Oh, tell me. Like, come on. What are you going to tell me after this? Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces and the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who has forgiven the most, who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman but speaking to to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet. But she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Then he spoke to her, I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think that story in my devotion time, the Lord brought me to to read that, and I was just struck, and I found myself sitting there saying, God, you you are so good. You are so good. This Pharisee, this man of the law this man of the book who's the religious figure in the day invites Jesus into her home and scandal happens this harlot pours herself all over Jesus and he makes this beautiful display turning it around and, and using it as that that model of forgiveness that Jesus didn't see her as the town harlot he saw her through the eyes of the new self that he was giving her through the forgiveness of her sins And you know the Bible says if you withhold forgiveness from another, their sin is held against them. We have that same power. When we forgive others, we are not only setting them free, we're setting ourselves free to put on, to clothe ourselves in the new life that Christ has for us. So that phrase, clothe yourself, or different versions say put on. The message version version says, so chosen by God for this new life of love, Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet, strength, and discipline. And that phrase in the Greek is strong. I'm not going to read the strongest number because it's whatever. So, clothe or put on is the word and do, which is a two part word. It means in the sense of sinking into a garment, invest with clothing, array, clothe, and do, have on. So, the first part, N. For and do denotes a fixed position, a relation of rest in a place, time, or state. And do know means to sink down, to set. So you are, by putting on, when the scripture in Colossians says to clothe yourself, to rest in a state of mind that you have put this on, that you have literally sinked into this you know, someone says like, "Oh, well, they've they've started this new habit, this new thing." You have invested yourself into that. You have made an identity with what you're investing in. So I kind of one of the things I learned from my dad over the years growing up is he'll take a scripture and break down the Greek, and then he gives you the pastor dick version of what that scripture means because of the greek which i think is really cool you know that the bible is a mystery it's beautiful and i love that someone took the time to figure out what the greek really means and then we have a whole new way to look at the scripture to really take every word and unpack it there is so much hidden in the scripture that god is continually revealing things and this is what he revealed to me from this scripture This idea of putting on. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to hold it together while I read this. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) Okay. If you don't want to be identified with your past mistakes and ways that brought you into places you didn't want to go, if you don't want to continue to fall into destructive patterns that don't bring the abundant life you so desire, if you want to walk with confidence and have your feet feel lighter, your mind made clear, If you want your outward appearance to reflect the desire of your heart, for we know that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, we want what man looks at and God sees to look the same, don't we? If that's your desire, if you want to put to death the thought patterns and habits that separate you from the things you love, the never-ending swirl of voices that say, be this, do that, you won't amount to anything, no one will have to know. The dark curses of the things you set in motion by doing things your own way. If you want to be free from these things and live in the light of the glory and freedom that is gifted to us through Jesus, you have a responsibility. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle waiting for you to rub up enough good luck for things to go well. He is a mentor, a coach, a man who relates to our struggles but doesn't tolerate our sins. He's a God who has compassion for the broken, but won't give way for our excuses to stay settled in our darkness. He dines with the dirty, but doesn't leave them in their filth. He lays his clean robes out before them and washes their feet with forgiveness. He doesn't grade us A-plus or F-minus for how well you performed in church today, but his heart grows heavy when we are made aware of injustice and decide to go our merry way. My Jesus full of compassion, the very definition of love embodied, tosses tables and rages at the religious. My Jesus, our Jesus, as alive today as he was in the pages, we read in moments we feel like being holy. He sleeps under tables with orphaned girls who are being preyed on by thirsty men. And that same Jesus embraced a repentant pedophile, and while his hands are soaked in moments of lust, Our Jesus kisses them and calls him his son. And so, for you, child of the living God, instead of giving weight to the words of your mind, which are clothed in lies and destruction, clothe yourself with compassion. Find whatever it is that moves you and give yourself to that. Kindness. Reach out to those who your first instinct is to judge. Don't just walk a mile in their shoes but give your shoes to them. Don't think too highly of yourself. You are made in the image of God, and you are a son and daughter of the King. Now get over yourself. Consider all of those around you more important than yourself. God thinks the world of you. Now think that same way of others. Be gentle. I cannot express this enough. Everyone you meet was once a child. Life happened to them. Things may have spiraled out of their control. Life was taught to them, and they will someday be too weak to walk because of the wear and tear of the years that have gone by. So be gentle. And lastly, do to others as you would have them do to you, and be patient. When your mind is racing and you spiral back into yourself, pause, breathe, take a moment. For each second gone by is one you can never do again. So say thank you. Open doors for people. Let your waitress make a mistake and ask, can I pray for you right now? For the person behind the deli counter, behind the register, in the car in front of you that you want to pass off. (laughs) Don't be in such a rush. Because God, our good God, has set up each second for encounters with his glory and if he goes to such great lengths to offer us the gift of an abundant life i don't want to miss what that abundance looks like because i'm too busy trying to earn what has already been offered so as micah 6:8 says he has shown you o mortal what is good and what does the lord require of you to act justly to love mercy And to walk humbly with your God. To clothe yourself with these things. To clothe yourself, to put on compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. The psalmist writes in Psalms 115, The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. You have a responsibility. Chris Valatin in his book, um, Spiritual Ways of Royalty, talks about this. He takes that psalm and expanded on it with this idea of people say, well, how, how can God let things happen? You know, you hear that question? Like, how can, if your God is so good, how come he lets bad things happen? I'm learning in this class I'm taking about asking good questions. And my response, if you read Jesus... He's awesome. Usually what you'll find is when people ask him a question, he asks them another question because he can see there's more to that question than what they're really asking. And Chris Valatin does that in this book. So when someone says, how can a God who is so good allow bad things to happen? He turns it around and says, well, how can, how can the church allow these things to happen? How can the very embodiment of Christ here that it says in the Psalms, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't just plant them there with a margarita in one hand and their foot on a stool in the other. That's not paradise. That's lazy sometimes, or it's really relaxing, but that's okay too. (laughs) He said to work it, to make it better, to improve, to improve on what God already said was good. That he has given us a responsibility with the people that come into our lives. There's a thing going around the internet right now called become a global citizen. And if you look at our world today, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But I'm really impressed with a lot of people who have taken that to the level of saying that our responsibility for humanity is no longer just within our borders or our families, it's for everyone. And this idea of that global citizen that's coming around is saying that you gotta get out of your own way because it's not just about you anymore. It's about us. It's about everyone. And God is, I, I believe, I see almost like God standing back and watching his children get molested and watching them get trafficked and taken advantage of, and he's going, why aren't they doing anything? Why are they spending trillions of dollars on really pretty buildings and nice chairs and cool lighting, and yet these children are left to die. We have a responsibility. Do I think that God doesn't honor the desire for a nice church, a nice building, all those things? God honors that. I mean, look at you read the Old Testament and read what it took to build the temple. It was pretty elaborate. God lavishes good things on us because he loves us. And it is good to do things well and to have things well. But within that, that we have a responsibility to take care of those the children. It's all about the kids. And Jesus makes it very clear how important they are to him. So next weekend, I think, is a a monument weekend for this area. As many of you know what Pastor Dick has been involved with, with praying against the heroin epidemic in our own community. And I think that having Rob Morris come in and speak and bringing more awareness to what trafficking really looks like and empowering people is really awesome. It is really awesome, and I think God sends his pleasure on this community because he's seeing that we're doing something about it, that our heart is so moved for these things that we don't just sit by idly and watch. When I worked for Invisible Children, it was a nonprofit working to end the longest-running war in Central Africa and rescue child soldiers. They started out in Uganda, and by the time I finished up, it was the war itself had spread over to the Congo, South Sudan, and all the surrounding countries in the Garamba Forest. And Joseph Kony, who was the lead LRA commander there, was, was the guy they were chasing. He is now hiding. And these children have been rescued. They are being rehabilitated and Invisible Children has now shut their doors. They have closed down because they no longer need to function because people showed up. The fact that I'm watching, I watched a video this weekend that they sent out to, all, to us, um, I went out to California a few months ago to celebrate really them closing and. It was bittersweet, obviously, because I mean, we lived in vans, uh, put a kiwi in a cage. And if you don't know what that means, it's New Zealanders are considered kiwis. And we had one of the kids, I, guys I worked with, Timmy. Oh my gosh, Free Timmy was a campaign, and he volunteered himself. We built a life-size cage in the office and locked him in there and put it on live stream. And people would donate money. Like $30 would get him a bathroom trip 50 would get him a shower. $20 would get him a snack. And But my desk was, like, right behind him, so I'd, like, sneak him granola bars. I'm like, Timmy, you're a big dude. You need to eat. <laughs> but he volunteered. He's like, no, this is important. I want to show up. I don't want to just sit by and let this happen. I want to show up. And it's over. <laughs> like, I think about it every once in a while, and I'm like, oh, wow. And... I think it's about 88% of the people who did this were teenagers. They went to their state offices and signed petitions. They sat outside, I can't remember the guy's name, but some big guy in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma holdout is what they called it, for like over a week in the freezing cold, these kids slept outside his office with, you know, they're all huddled together, and they they wanted, they're like, we're not leaving until you sign this so that these kids can go home. They showed up, and it's over. These kids have been rescued. By the time I was done, within a year, they had built the first of its kind rehabilitation center in the Congo, where kids who were rescued out of child slavery, soldiering. I'm getting a mixed up, sorry. Kids who were rescued would go through art therapy And while they're in there getting art therapy, there would be professionals going around the local villages and outside of that to find their families, and then they would reunite them. And then they would train local families on how to bring your kids back in, how to forgive them, how to no longer see them with a gun in their hands murdering, how adults who literally were abducted at five years old and forced to kill are now 25, 30 years old, and that's all they've known, are surrendering their guns because they've realized they have a place to go, and they're not trapped in this. And it's because people showed up. It's because people in this country did something about it and didn't just let it happen. As soon as they became aware, aware millions and millions of people responded. They fundraised, they showed up, they played the videos, they hosted roadies in their home. I mean there are places we went and all they did was let us sleep on their couch for a night well we survived and it made a difference every little thing counts so you might not be able to hike you might not be able to donate a thousand dollars but you're not just going to let it happen do something just tell someone else about it if my cousin had never told me, hey, cat, like, there's this organization, Invisible Children, you would be interested. That changed my life. I was 16 when she told me, and at 25, I was, I was a part of it because she told me. So telling someone you don't know what that could do by being patient, by not being in a rush, by showing up and doing something, by being moved and moving forward with it, not just letting it pass by, it's not just going to change your life, but it's going to change those around you and we have a responsibility and God has fully equipped us with everything that we need. So I want to close in prayer if you could all stand. <sighs> I would like if you would be so willing to just put your hands like this. And any we're going to take care of the baggage stuff now. Any unforgiveness or bitterness that you have towards someone, I want you to release it right now. And just ask in your own heart, God, I'm dying to myself that I would be raised with Christ. Make me more like you. Father, we ask that. When we encounter the harlot, when we encounter the pedophile, when we encounter the drug addict, the drug dealer. That we would kiss their feet. That we would give them our best coat. That we would offer them the forgiveness that you have so freely offered us that we would offer them compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience and strength, that we, the church, would be the reflection of the Father heart of God. For these are your children, that we would put on love, that we would clothe ourselves with you. So we offer up these things that we've held on to so tightly, these offenses that we feel some right to rage against. And we pray that you would remove anything that would keep us blinded to your heart for these children. That we would rage against injustice and we would not move until it's fixed. That your church would be the very vehicle that you use to move this forward. That we would get to witness the end of child sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. (laughs) Let us bear witness to the freedom of the millions who are trapped in this. Not that they would just be set free from the prisoners, but that they would be set free from the lies and the torment and the things that have happened, that we would get to be a part of that healing for them. For we are your bride, and we know that you lavish your love on your children.